and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading edge capabilities to secure, retain and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? My next guest is Andrea Walsh. Andrea is the co-founder of Courage... Let me do that. Crafters. I was going to go creators then. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My next guest is Andrea Walsh. Andrea is the co-founder of Courage Crafters, Inc. and co-author of the best-selling book, Go For No. Andrea teaches people in virtually every business and industry how to think and feel differently about failure, rejection and the word no to help them achieve their goals and dreams. So welcome to Scale Yourselves podcast, Andrea Walsh. Thank you so much, Janice. Great to be with you. It's great to have you here. Do you know, I read your book, Go For No, maybe about five more, yeah, five years ago now. Um, so yeah, we're going to uh, touch on that because it's, it, you know, I, I, I think at the time when it came out in particular, it was quite a new way of thinking. And that's why it had such big impact. And I still, it's very much relevant now, especially as we've been through all of the current challenges we were just talking off camera about post pandemic and uh, you know how that's affected um, our businesses so first of all I I wanted to ask you around um, go for no whether the it's really about a numbers game you know some might say um, it's really an old style of selling you know you keep going no 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 until you get Yes. So, you know, it's not being customer centric, customer focused and offering relevant value. What would you say to that, Andrea? Oh, I love this challenging question, Janice. (laughs) You're starting off here. Yes, I (laughs) I like it. I like it. I'm up for it. Um, And it's a very good point. Uh, And I think that, listen, there's always in sales this numbers game kind of philosophy that we've all uh, come to, we have come to, been have been taught. And it is a detriment, especially when we're looking at trying to build relationships and we're not trying to um, necessarily go that direction. So it kind the answer is it kind of depends. Um, my favorite quote from a woman who was in one of our books, uh, another book, she said, um, it's a numbers game, but it, sales is a numbers game, but we have to remember that people are not numbers, right? We don't want to treat people like numbers. And I, I totally agree. So my kind of answer to this is you have to go for no intelligently. And by that, I mean, 
um, you want to qualify your prospects and you want to do it in such a way that it isn't just about, um, it isn't that old school, throw everything against the wall and see what sticks and just hear no, no, no. And, and you don't, you're not trying to learn. You're not trying to grow from it. You're not trying to build relationships. It's all about, you know, me, me, me. Those are all of those kind of salesy, slimy tactics that that numbers game philosophy reminds us of. So it's how do you take that, the, the positive piece of it, which is, hey, if you're not filling your pipeline, if you're not focused on quantity, you will suffer for that. Um, but at the same time, can you bring the quality aspect to it of figuring out really who your ideal prospect is and be customer centric and build those relationships and not treat people like numbers. But, you know, and so marry those two, but at the end of the day, Janice, the, the idea of go for no, um, because I don't like, I don't want people to pigeonhole it into the numbers game thing is having the courage to ask. And no matter whether you are a numbers game person and you're like making 300 calls a day or you're very calculating and you're really into this one-on-one customer folk, customer-centric approach, both sides have to ask. And so that's where go for no comes in. Excellent. Very good. I really like that re- response. <laughs> You know, I like to be challenging. Um, What I love about the book, Go For No, is the way that it changes how you think about rejection. I think that's the real kind of gold here. No is not not personal. It's no, you know, it's not fatal. Um, It's just, I think it's an answer. So now you can work from that answer. It's a directive. So now you know what's going on. Now what's next? It's like drawing a line and move and to allow you to move forward. Now you know what's going on. I don't know what your, how you would explain it because that's the bit that I really loved about the book. Yeah. And, and one of the things that um, we, we don't say in the book, but it's kind of this underlying philosophy is no is a perfectly acceptable answer. <laughs> Our friend Weldon Long says that all the time and is a great sales trainer. And so when you have that as the framework, it's not about figuring out, you know, um, and seeing rejection as this thing that's so horrible that we want to avoid. It's saying, okay, no is part of the process. It's part of business. It's part of sales. It's part of life. Everybody gets rejected. So now as that, that with that as the framework, can we take this negative reality and reframe it into a positive so we can work from it? Because I see out there sometimes, and I know you've seen this too, marketing messages like, you know, rejection proof this and never be rejected. And I look at those things and I say, well, that's impossible. And if you're not getting rejected, then you're not making enough attempts. Yeah. 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 It's like the dating game really, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, don't accept the first proposal. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's, and I've, I've read some of the reviews recently just to um, revise, you know, when I, I, I first read it. And so many of the, um, them said that it almost gave them permission to ask, no, having changed their mindset 
around rejection. And that's the great thing. And that's exactly what you, you said before uh, about being free to ask. You're not going to get anywhere unless you ask the, the question. And so many people skirt around it, avoid it. They won't come at it because of the fear of rejection, which is a real block. And, you, you know, you don't want to have this is quite an important question, isn't it? You know, when you ask for the sale and if you have a real block over that, then it's just going to hinder your, you know, as you say, achieving your goals and your, your dreams. Yeah. And I think people have a, um, they marry in their minds the idea that asking is that line that they don't want to cross because that somehow puts them in the category of salesperson and they don't want to be seen as that pushy, aggressive salesperson. And yet on the customer side, now we've kind of placed the burden of the work of, you know, selling on the customer, which is, which is actually not a customer centric strategy. And I'll give you an example. When I first learned go for no, I was, I actually thought I was a superstar salesperson because customers loved me. And, uh, and to me, that was very important. You know, I wanted the process to go well for them. I wanted them to love me. And what I recognized though, was that I wasn't going for no, because I didn't want to hear no, I didn't want to be rejected. And so in that process, I wasn't serving them at the highest level I could because I was actually not showing them products and services that, and letting them decide and letting them tell me no, in essence, I was protecting myself. So if I wanted to serve at the highest level, what it became, what I realized was it wasn't about putting myself first and saying, don't worry, Andrea, you won't get rejected. Just don't mention these things that you might, you know, hear a no over. And yet that's the way that we serve people at the highest level of saying, Hey, you may not be interested in this today. This may not be the right time based on everything we discussed, but I want to make sure that you know about this and educating people on the options and giving them the opportunity to say, no, that's where we're customer centric, but if we're putting ourselves first by not being rejected and by not hearing no, then we actually aren't being customer centric, but we think we are. So it's, it's an interesting kind of mindset shift where you realize that the way to serve people is to sell them and that you're not being salesy by asking. And so let's not put the burden of, you know, wrapping up the sale on our customers and prospects. That's, that's really kind of, you know, that's being a, a lazy salesperson and taking the easy way out as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's not their, their job really. Um, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, I think the way that we're selling now, there's a lot more emotion involved in everything that we do. And especially over the last couple of years, the fact that we're working virtually, we can see into each other's homes, we're a little bit more relaxed, you know, it's, we're not all suited and, and booted. We have more of those light, softer conversations around the, the business because it would be a bit icky and awkward when we're, you know, kind of virtual, not online. Um, so how do you divorce the the dedication and the emotion of feeling that I'm doing a great service, uh, this is the right thing for them to do, I'm completely committed to this, I'm really good at, at my job, 
and then detach yourself from the result because the result may very well be no because it's not the right time and all of that. How do you kind of, because we're putting so much more of ourselves and our emotions and personality into what we do, and that's important so we can empathize with the, the client, the, the buyer on the other side. So how does that work then? Yeah, good question. Because you're right, it is very personal now. And I think about all of the sales conversations I have and how different they are, you know, now and over Zoom than in the past. So in terms of taking it personally, and I'm glad you touched on this because this is huge. I mean, taking no personally is one of the biggest challenges that people face, although they tend not to admit it, but when you get down to it, when you start digging into it, that's what you find. And so one of the things I tell people is, it's not about, the no is not about you, even when it's about you. And that's a tricky one to wrap your brain around. And it's very, it, I always uh, suggest that we step out of who we are and go into um, someone else's shoes and look at things from their perspective and say, is it really about you so much? Or is it about their beliefs, their goals, their attitudes and how they were brought up and all of the, the baggage even that they have and see that it's really all about them. I have people who hear go for no, and they think, well, that's silly. That's ridiculous. Who wants to go for no? That's just stupid. I want to go for yes. Right. And rather than argue with them and say, well, no, you're wrong. Go for no works, you know, is okay. They're looking at it through just a completely different lens. And okay, they may not be open-minded and that's a whole other discussion, but I have to just recognize that that's criticism is not about me, even though it's about me and my work. And I, I have seen this challenge with, you see it with uh, performers and artists. I mean, literally an artist who creates a work and hangs it up and people walk by and say, oh, that's terrible. I would never put this in my home. And you think that's the most heartbreaking, heart-wrenching insult to an artist is having somebody, I mean, that's what they did with their hands. And yet it's not about the art. It's about the other person because the next person who comes along says, I love that art and I'm going to buy it. So we, we have to remember that that it's, uh, that we, the way that we detach is really understand that it's not about us. And, um, we focus on our own behavior, what we can control and we do the best we can. And then we let the results be what they may. Yeah. Yeah. So understanding that it's not about us and, uh, let the results be what may, um, I wonder in this this world of being buyer centric, in what way has have in what way can we create better customer success to make it focused on them? How how can we do this? What what do you see that is working? What tips would you you give? Yeah, well, to me, it's all about specialization. And being, and when we, a lot of uh, businesses fear specializing, they fear drilling down. And one of the pieces of advice I've given being in business now for 20 years is it is never 
harmed me to specialize. And I started off specializing um, when we launched our company 20 years ago, we specialized in retail organizations, large size companies, and we spoke their language. And so it was very easy to get hired. Um, and then after we transitioned and go for no was one of, one of the things that we were teaching. And then we kind of transitioned to, instead of working with one specific market, you know, one vertical, we transitioned to more of a message that we share now, but it's a very tiny, you know, this very tiny specific message, um, for, for everyone, but I don't get into, you know, how to handle objections and the perfect thing, the perfect clothes and all of these things. I focus on just this one little aspect of mindset. So I think when we specialize, that allows us to either, we're either able to speak the language of our customers, or we can speak the language of the problem that they're facing. And that when people hear it, they say, oh, this is, this person gets me, they understand me. So that, um, I think being, being specialized goes a long way in, um, being more customer centric. That's what customers want. That's what I know that I always look at it from my standpoint. What do I want? I want people to understand exactly what I'm going through. And when I'm trying to find a new technology platform or something, um, when somebody sends me an email and it says, Hey, we've helped other speakers, trainers, authors, I say, Oh, well, that's me. So you could probably help me as opposed to getting these very vague LinkedIn messages. Like we've helped businesses and blah, blah, blah. And I say, that's not, you're not talking my language. You're not you know, you've helped businesses. Have you helped, help, have you helped an author? Have you helped a sales, you know, a sales speaker? No, you're just being very vague. Mm. Talking about speaking um, your, your language, we're all working in a, a global economy. As soon as we get online, we're, we're, we're all global businesses, regardless of, of where your current clients are. People can access you from all over the world much more easily. And people from all over the world look different and speak different languages. Everyone is uniquely different. So help me to um, understand what your view is on, on diversity in sales, because that isn't as diverse as actually the many of the buyers and the customers that we, we deal with. So where do you think perhaps the industry might be going wrong or are there some examples of things that you think are, are working really well? Well, I think the burden of this falls on, well, everybody plays a role, I guess. Um, you know, the burden certainly falls on organizations to make sure that they are looking at diverse hiring practices. And as an industry, I see um, groups. And of course it can always be improved, but for example, women's sales pros is one group, um, that, you know, and, and, uh, I'm speaking for the society of sales women, which is a very diverse, diverse group. And they, they allow guys in there too. So, <laughs> um, but what's interesting, what I've found, and I'm actually, I feel very blessed to have this experience. I have a little, um, app on my website, and um, it's, it's called Drift, which is, uh, you know, it's like one of these chat apps. Yeah. And people, I, I was looking at it um, recently, and I was looking at the messages that I had gotten sent from people over like the last 30 days. 
And it was so amazing. I had a message from Nigeria. I had a message from Malaysia. I had a message from, from Florida and Michigan and from the UK. And, um, I, gosh, I think there was like a v- one from Vietnam, literally all over the world. And I continue to get these messages from all over the world. And I think what it told me was, wow, everyone has at least this particular problem that I help people solve this idea of failure and rejection. And they're all trying to kind of solve it in the same way. They all recognize that it's a mindset issue. And so they've all been drawn to go for no for that reason. And so I thought how wonderful it was that all these people were able to find my website in this day and age and, and learn. And so I would like to see even more collaboration. Like how do I, how do I take it to the next level and get those voices? I would love to hear the stories of these people and literally what they're going through and are they in a sales role or are they maybe just attempting to be in a sales role? So I think the industry has a, you know, a way to go, but I was really just excited to see the diversity of the people that are out there, um, even coming to a place like, you know, like our website. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's great to actually track that. Um, and I wonder if you, I mean, if that app wasn't necessarily available five years ago, but it'd be really interesting to see five years from now, what those stats look like. Um, because there's a lot of the chat technology that is awful. <laughs> and right. so you know that it's better if you're actually getting people that are getting th- through it. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to actually see how, how that message how it, how it Yeah, how yeah. it changes. Yeah. And I will tell you this. Mm. I don't remember, even um, though we didn't have this particular app five mm. years ago, the, even the incoming emails being as diverse and as interesting. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's changing, but it's changing slowly and um, getting different perspectives. I think that's one good thing of, of LinkedIn is getting, it, it's a, a platform that allows to get the actual stories and voices and comments from people around the world. So it, it can only get better from here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your your main focus uh, at the moment? What is the kind of like next six months or, you know, do you have a particular project or or a campaign or something that's really driving you? You know, as we're coming out of the, the pandemic, often there's there's something that's 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 taken your, you know, interest in your in your business or something you want to. It's like a refresh, isn't it? Yeah. Well, one of the things that we had wanted to do forever was uh, we had toyed around with writing a book called The Go For No Leader. And instead, we created um, a workbook called The Go For No Leader. It's, it's really more of a field guide. Um, we also created a workbook called The Go For No Challenge. So we were able to, you know, after the initial shock uh, and the five stages of grief that we went through <laughs> once we were locked down, you know, you, you realize okay, well now um, there's to stop feeling sorry for yourself and feeling sorry for the planet. Let's actually be productive. And so we created those workbooks um, in 2020. So those are two things that I'm excited to continue rolling out. And unlike a lot of people, you know, I know that a lot of um, experts are, you know, they move to the next book, they kind of move to the next message. 
And um, I'm probably the most boring one out there because I'm like, oh no, I'm just repeating go for no over and over and over again. Because it's a message that um, while it changes a little bit with with technology and and best practices, like we talked about being so much more customer centric and, and also being so much more open and vulnerable. So how does that, you know, how does that mix in? But the fundamental, the, the principles don't change. And so for that reason, I kind of tell people when I get asked a similar question is I'm pretty much doing the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) But then that means the message is right. There's a, there's a need for it. um, And it's, agile in that you can flex it for the current circumstances. Yeah, and that's true. And I always learn things, especially talking to experts like yourself, or um, when I'm doing a training and and somebody asks a question, I'm just constantly learning new ways. And uh, the questions actually remind me, oh, this is what somebody's thinking about. Um, and the comments are, are reminding me, oh, this is a really good point to share. So I probably could do a two-day, eight-hour, you know, seminar on on this with the with the pieces that I've learned over the years. So now it's just picking and choosing and and getting that continue to get that message out um, as best I can for, yeah. for the audience that I'm speaking to at the time. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So this is the big question now, Andrea. Are you ready for it? I am. Yeah. If you're on a desert island on your own, what's the one thing you would take with you? So I've given this some thought and I, I, I'm, I mean, my phone is my first answer, but that's such a cheat, right? I mean, it really is such a cheat. So um, I'm not judging. Okay. Because I guess I would be that desire to stay in touch and and communicate um, (laughs) and, and, and be on social media. So clearly I think we've, we know that I'm addicted to, uh, to social media. Um, So that's one thing. And, and I, after I was thinking about this some more, I realized I would probably also, if I couldn't have my phone, I'd bring my cat to be my companion and, and she's, um, yeah, I absolutely adore her. And, and so I couldn't live without her. My husband's probably thinking, wow, thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Your cat doesn't answer back, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. She would give me company and we wouldn't have to fight over who gets the next coconut or anything like that. Well, you know, food, water, all of this could be pretty scarce. So, you know, might yes. be quite handy having a, having a cat. Yes, that's yeah. true. She can catch us little critters, and that's yeah. how we would survive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> th- tell your husband this is very well thought out. I'm, I'm, this is my survival tactic, darling. So I can come back to you. There you go. Right. <laughs> we can sell anything, Andrea. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yes. <laughs> so how can listeners get hold of you? Oh, just come to gofornode.com or find me. I'm, I'm well-branded on social media. So you, if you go to Instagram at gofornode, uh, you'll find, find me there as well. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll put all of the links in, in the show notes. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Andrea Wills. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. 
thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.